Amen. It's always a pleasure to be with you, my Holden Chapel family. Um, and I'm excited. I'm going to jump right into this word. So are you ready for the word? All right, let's go. So we're going to go to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 14, Matthew, chapter 14. Um, and I want to apologize to the, the projection people already, because I know that I'm going to go way off my notes. So just just follow with me. I'll guide you. Amen. Uh, but let's look at Matthew, chapter 14, starting at verse 13. Um, uh, it says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass and they and, and he took the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5000 men besides women and children. The title of this sermon today is multiplication. Say multiplication. I so I love I, I love school. I love education. Amen. And everybody has their strong suit. They have their strong uh, uh, class. Uh, mine was not anything other than English. I loved reading. I loved speaking. If you didn't know and you couldn't tell, um, but but the class that I struggled with the most is math. I struggled with math. I, I, I was, I was, I was on a whole other level up until about fifth or sixth grade. And then things got a little bit too much for me. You know, I, I, I can do the math, but it was not as easy. Anybody want to admit that math is not quite, you know, this is the thing that, that I love about the way our father in heaven works is that he doesn't simply operate in simple addition and subtraction. In the, in the world of God, he will take your little bit and he will multiply that. He will take the little bit that you have and, and he will take it and blow it up into something that is more than you can ever think of. In this text, we see Jesus. He, um, up until this point, leading up to this point, he has preached the Sermon on the Mount. He has healed the sick. He uh, sends the disciples out to drive out demons and heal every disease as he's given them uh, the authority to do so. Um, now the word has reached Jesus about 
about the beheading of his cousin, his, his close cousin, John the Baptist. And in this text, we see that he needed to go away to a deserted place. He needed to get away to be by himself because, yes, even Jesus himself had to deal with hardship. Yes, even Jesus himself had to deal with, with the weight of, of bad news. Yes, even Jesus himself needed to be isolated to pray. And I always say, if Jesus needed time to get away to pray, if Jesus needed prayer, (laughs) if Jesus needed time to spend with God, how can we say that we don't? But that is another sermon for another day. But here we have it. Jesus is trying to go away to deal with all that he is feeling and the multitudes begin to see him and they have heard about all the incredible things that he has done. And now it's saying that he's, he's becoming compassionate toward them. So now he is not thinking about his needs, but he is thinking about their needs. And it says that he begins to go and, and heal them and he's just beginning to minister them. He is beginning to pour out into them because can I tell you holding chapel family there is a world that is desperately in need of the word of God there is a world that desperately needs for you to look past your situation and your problems and begin to identify how to help them there is a world that desperately needs to be fed the good news there is a world that is looking they are thirsting for something more Jesus, even in the point of his, of his emotional state, he looked past his needs and decided to focus on the needs of those who needed hope, who needed help. That's the same thing that is happening today. If we go outside of these beautiful walls, we begin to drive around. I love the fact that you all have a, a, the, the main street a ministry. I, I love the fact that we understand the power of looking past what we have in here and realizing that there are people who are in need. But Jesus begins to minister. And if the hour is getting late. The disciples are looking at their, their Apple watches. <laughs> They're saying, Jesus... Listen, man. Could you try again? No, I cannot try again, Siri. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus, the hour is getting late. These people have been here all day. Can you stop talking to me, please? I'm preaching. Jesus, the disciples are going to them and they're saying the hour is getting late. It's time for you to let these people go. They have to get something to eat. Jesus says something very interesting. In this text, he says, no, no, they they don't need to go anywhere. Give them what you have. Give them what you have. Are there people in this world that are coming to you looking for hope, looking for love, looking for joy, looking for the light that has been shined on your life? And are you turning them away because you're feeling like you, what you have isn't enough? Are you someone who is looking past what you have? Don't you realize that your testimony may be the next step for someone else's victory? Don't you know that if, if God can do it for you, they may see that, hey, he can do it for me too. 
Jesus says to the disciples, no, no, don't send them away. You give them what you have. And they're saying, Jesus, listen, man, that, that sounds great, but all we have is five loaves of bread and, and, and two fish. And they, it's believed that they got those five loaves of bread and two fish from a little boy who, who, whose mother packed him some lunch. And they're saying, this is all we could get. And as far as the disciples were concerned, what they had in their hand wasn't enough. But Jesus said, give me what you have. Let me show you what I can do when you simply give me what you have. Can I tell you this morning that if you simply give God what you have, he will multiply that thing over and over and over and over again. There are too many of us who are holding on to the seed that we have because we feel like it's not enough. And can I tell you something today? You are absolutely right. It is not enough in your hands, but it is enough in our father's hands. It is not yet. Yeah, you have a business idea. Okay, great. But where am I going to get the money? You are absolutely right. You don't have enough. But the beautiful thing about being a part of the kingdom of God is that we have access to more. We have access to more than enough. He is simply looking for people to give them what they have. Jesus takes what they have. And the text is very interesting because it says that the first thing that he does after he takes what they have is, is he begins, he lifts it up to heaven. And this is what I believe. I, I, I'm sort of taking some, some, some pastoral license here, but I believe that Jesus sees what they have, but he also understands where his help comes from. He also understands where his power comes from. And that is from the father. So Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and he begins to lift it to heaven and saying, Father, this may not be enough for what I can do, but Lord, through you, I can do all things. And he takes it. And then he does the next thing. What does he do next? He says he blesses it. He blesses it. Go to that slide. He blessed it. See, I told you I would direct you. I'll lead you. I got you. I got you. Jesus, he blesses in. Now, now, what's so significant about this? Blessing means to convey a gift by a potent utterance. It also means it's when, when God blesses us, he extends his benefits to us. He enlarges his mercy to us. He lengthens his charity in our direction. Blessed, possessing the favor of God, that state of being marked by fullness from God. It indicates the state of the believer in Christ. Do you understand that you are blessed you are blessed. When God sees you, he sees someone who is blessed because he's not just looking at you. He's looking at his son. Can you, do you understand how blessed you are? Well, let me help you out. Yesterday, I don't know if you realize how cold it was yesterday. 
But, but I had to come here to this church to do an activity and have a meeting with our volunteers for Jubilee Worcester. And I'm, I'm just, maybe you were in your house, but it was cold. It was extremely cold. I mean, I was almost crying as I put the key in the door. I was like, it was, I, don't, don't tell anybody. That's, a, you know, between me and you. I don't want people to know I was crying at the door. But you have to understand that there are people who didn't have a place to sleep last night who had to endure with that cold. You, you, you don't know how blessed you are? Well, do you realize? I'm quite sure how many people ate some breakfast this morning, went and grabbed your little coffee or your Starbucks and got a little muffin, your brand muffin or your Dunkin' Donuts, whatever you may have gotten. You waited in the line. Do you realize that you're blessed because you can do that? There are people in the world that don't even have that as an option. I'm seeing everybody in the room and you look beautiful. You have all these different clothes on. Do you know that you're blessed because you had clothes to put on your back today? You may not have the kind of job that you want, but you have money in your account. You may not have the kind of house that you want, but you have a roof over your head. Your children may not be acting the way you want them to, but you have children. You're blessed. Jesus is in the blessing business. He blessed the bread. I believe that we have to understand the power of being blessed. There's a song, that an old song back in the day, Count Your Blessings. The, liter- the lyric says, when, uh, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Count your blessings, name them one One by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. You are blessed. Okay, some of you are looking at me like, Pastor Will, yeah, I hear you, but being blessed, uh, I don't know, I don't feel blessed. Can I give you three areas that you're blessed in no matter who you are? If you are a believer, you are blessed with number one position. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm glad you asked me. Position. It simply means that you have been adopted into the family of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 in the New King James Version says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. You are blessed because no matter what your earthly family looks like, you are a part of a greater family. No matter what your relationship with your father may be, your heavenly father will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never turn his back on you. No matter what is going on in the kind of house you grew up, in you are have been adopted into a great family the family of God that's something to say you're blessed about amen number two you're blessed with the position of eternal life (laughs) Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord when you become a child of God you have been blessed with the position that you don't have to die you're earthly body may go but your spirit will live on blessed okay okay you don't you still don't believe me all right so so you're blessed not just with position but you're blessed with promises you're blessed with the promise of mercy i don't know about you but i need mercy each and every single morning great is thy faithfulness morning by morning new mercies i see 
I need God's mercy. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 18 says, therefore the Lord will wait he, uh, that, he, that he may be gracious to you and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. You have been gifted. You have been blessed with the gift of mercy. Mercy. Meaning that every single day you wake up, God has already made a way for you. He's already made a way to forgive you and to cover you. He's already made a way, no matter what the enemy was planning the night before. He's already found a way to set it up so that you can win. So that you can be victorious. So that you don't have to be lost. God's mercy is a promise. It's a blessing that is on your life. Okay, some of you are still looking at me, Pastor Will. That sounds great. But I'll give you another P. Pastors love letters, just in case you're wondering. Pastors, when you can find three P's or three L's or it's like position, promise, and the last one is power. You have been blessed with power. You have been blessed with the power of the word of God. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the two even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You have been blessed to have access to the word of God. When we look at the story of Jesus feeding the multitude, the beautiful thing about what we're seeing is that these people, these thousands of people were coming to sit at the feet of Jesus because they simply wanted to be fed the word of God. There is a world that is looking and they're craving simply for not your opinion. Not your, 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 your viewpoint, but they're looking for the word of God. Do you understand that the word of God is what feeds the spirit? The word of God is what builds you up. The word of God is what affirms and what encourages is what guides you. The word of God is more powerful than anything of that's why we say in the name of Jesus the word that is a blessing that you have access to so you are blessed can you say I'm blessed say I'm blessed Jesus praise lifts up the bread to heaven talks to the father then he blesses the bread and then it says that number two he broke it what does it mean to be broken well in the natural broken means reduced to fragments or fragmented ruptured torn fractured not functioning properly out of working order but in the spiritual, this is what broken looks like. Broken is the condition of being completely subdued and humbled before the Lord. And as a result, completely yielding to the dependent and being dependent upon him. Can I tell you something today, family? That it's okay to be broken. It's okay. 
to be broken. See, the thing about the difference between the world and the kingdom of God is that the world will try to find a way to break you and they'll leave you that way. They'll leave you that way. But when we are broken in the presence of God, there's something that happens that we may not understand fully. You see, many of us, you thought, some of you thought I was going to say, when you are broken in the presence of God, he will break you to remake you. He will break you to put you back together. And when he puts you back together, you're going to be stronger than you've ever been before. But I'm not here to say that to you. Because there's a reality that some of us are broken and it's for our better. Because when Jesus took the bread and began to break it, began to break it into pieces. I don't know what kind of bread that they have, but this was the best bread that I can find. They begin to break the bread and in the master's hands, he began to break it. Now, can I say something to you? That when you be, when he began to break the bread, he didn't break it just to put it back together again. He didn't break it just to put it back together again. As he broke it, he began to distribute it. He began to share it. He began to deposit it. He began to sow it like a seed. This right here is a... Okay, I'm making sure y'all paying attention now. This right here is a... It's not a fish. It's a potato. <laughs> not a trick question. It's a potato. <laughs> so listen. This is a very important part I need you to get. This potato is something that we love to eat. We love mashed potatoes. We love, um, you see, uh, uh, French fries. Amen. Home fries. Some of y'all are like, Pastor Will, you're getting me hungry right now. But this right here is a potato. But this potato is actually a seed. This potato is actually a seed. The powerful thing, if you look at potatoes, do you ever have a potato in your, in, your, in your cupboard for too long and you begin to see these little alien looking things sticking out? You're like, oh my goodness, is this a science project? No. What happens is that in a potato are what we call eyes. They're eyes. And out of those eyes are actually sprouts that will begin to grow. For anybody who is a farmer who, or who, have, who has gardened, if you're trying to, to grow potatoes, what you do, you don't throw the whole potato in the ground. No. They begin to break it up and cut it into pieces. And as they cut it into pieces, they make sure that the piece that they're cutting has an eye in it. Because that eye has the sprout that will grow. And then the farmer will take that piece. He doesn't take it and put it back together. The farmer will take that piece of a potato and he will sow it into the ground. And that one piece of a potato will begin to multiply. It's believed that most potato plants will yield about 15 to 20 other potatoes from a piece of a potato. Can I say to you right now? That even you in your broken state, if you allow God to sow you into this world, I believe that there will be a multiplication of God's power all around us. Some of us feel like before we can come into the presence of God, we have to have our stuff together. How many people are guilty of saying or know someone who said, yeah, you know. 
I know I need to go to church. I know my life isn't all well and everything. But, you know, when I get myself together, I'm going to go back. When I work some things out, I'm going to go. You'll see me at church. I need to work a couple of things out. Do you understand how ridiculous that sounds? That's like someone saying that their leg is broken. But, yeah, you know, I know my leg is broken. But when I heal, when I stay home and heal my leg, I'm going to go to the hospital. What? You know how ridiculous that sounds? No. You come to a place of healing when you are broken. The church is for broken people. It's for people who don't have it all together. I'm sorry to tell you, Holden Chapel. I'm sorry to tell you, every single Sunday you're coming and God, God, oh my goodness, thank God for you. That you're so faithful and that you are here and that you're hearing the word and that you are becoming spiritually full. Thank God for you. But can I tell you something? That it's not about you. Can I tell you something that if if you don't share your brokenness, if you don't share your testimony with somebody, then you are not doing what God needs for you to do. It's great that we have this incredible facility. But if you're not sharing your story with somebody that is not already saved, you're being selfish we have to understand that the story that you have the hardship that you've gone through the challenges in your marriage the addiction that you had to overcome the substance abuse issues that you had to fight through the prayers that you had to pray to cover your children so that they would come to Christ those state that you were in when you were on your knees and nobody else was looking that is a place of your brokenness and can I tell you that it is okay to be broken because when you are broken you're actually closer to God When you are broken, you can hear him clearer. When you are broken, you are in a position of surrender. You're realizing that you cannot do this thing by yourself. When you are broken, you are willing to go to a deeper place. Yeah, when you have it all together, it's easy to, to sing songs and to worship God. But, but what about when all hell is breaking loose in your house? Yeah, I, I'm a prayer warrior, Pastor Will. I pray every Sunday. But what about when you go through some stuff? Are you still praying? Come to the altar. Oh, it sounds so good when everything is going well. But when things are going tough in your life, are you coming to the altar? When you're in your broken state, are you running to the altar? When you're in your broken state, are you, are you crying out to God? Or are you calling somebody to gossip and complain? It's okay to be broken. Because in your broken state, I truly believe, just like that potato seed, when you sow it, There's something that's activated because you're taking your little bit and you're putting it into the hand of the master who can multiply that seed. He's not going to multiply your hurt. He's not going to multiply your pain, but he will multiply your testimony. Family. Jesus. Took the bread. 
lifted it up to the Father. Then he blessed it. Then he broke it. And then he gave it. He gave it. What I love about the text is that he said that he gave it, but he didn't distribute it himself. He actually gave it back to the disciples for them to distribute. He gave it back to the disciples for them to pass out. I love this idea of giving because had it not been for this little boy, we don't know his name. We don't know his story. We don't know where he came from. All we know is that he gave the little bit that he had. I don't know if the disciples were intimidating him. I don't know if they said, listen, man, Jesus needs this stuff, but you got to give it up. You listen, I don't, I don't care what, I don't care who your mama is, but Jesus needs this. I don't know what the transaction was. All I know is that because of that little boy giving what he had, the text says 5,000 men, not including women and children. Some theologians believe that about 20,000 people actually ate. From five loaves and two fish. Simply because this little boy gave what he had. This little boy that was just a part of the crowd that people overlooked. Couldn't tell you his name. He was just a part. He was just there to see Jesus like everybody else. But he had something that they needed family cannot tell you that you have something to give I don't care how old you are I don't care what you've been through I don't care what your story is I don't care I don't care about any of that stuff what you need to know is that you have something to give if all you have to give is your broken heart God wants it if all you have to give is your time God wants it if all you have to give is your yes he wants it when you give that is where the multiplication happens I've shared you you all have been a part of our journey for Jubilee Worcester and I was thinking about this the other day how 2018 my wife and I God God said will you go and we went we said yes all we had to give was our yes all we had to give was our agreement and everything else that was needed was provided for everything before we even knew we had a need he had already provided for it before we even knew that we needed a space, he already provided for it. Before we knew we needed a musician, he already had it under control. He was simply waiting for us to say yes. And our yes, that seed that we sold, the seed of yes that we sold, 
has multiplied. It's multiplied. There were men and women who said yes at the very beginning of Holden Chapel. They were saying, yes, Father, we hear you. We don't know what it's going to look like, but we just feel that this is what we're supposed to do. We want to hear your word. We want to build community. We want to fellowship. We believe that you're going to do something great. All they had to give was their yes. Now look at what the Lord has done. Through every season, through every chapter of this church for the last 50 plus years, he has multiplied it simply because someone was willing to give all they had. Family, as I close, I really need you to hear me. I need you to hear me. If you were in this room and you're feeling like I have felt at so many parts of my life, so many seasons of my life, that what I had wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough. There was a season of my life that I didn't want to speak because I had a stutter and I had a lisp and I was embarrassed to speak. I remember being in school and I avoided at any cost reading in class. I avoided it at every cost This because I didn't want to be embarrassed. But this little boy from Dorchester that had a speech impediment, a stutter and a lisp, what he simply needed wasn't my excuses, wasn't anything other than me just saying yes. That little boy who was terrified in the fifth grade, he would have to use the bathroom when it came to reading time. Now all I love to do is to talk in front of people and to share the good news. That's all I love to do every day, all day. Simply because I was willing to give what I had. If you were in this room and you feel like you've been in a season of just saying, God, I know I've hit this place. I'm hitting a wall. But I don't have anything worth giving. I don't. I'm broken, God. I'm going through so many things. My life isn't the way I want it to be. If that's you, I just, I just want to pray over you. Because I want to, I want to, I want to rebuke that thought. I want to rebuke that spirit of doubt and fear in the name of Jesus. I want to cast that out. Because he simply just needs what you have. So all he needs from you is what you have. If you're someone, all eyes closed. If everybody can close their eyes. If you're someone who, who simply needs that prayer, that, that breakthrough of, 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 of fighting through the inadequacy that you feel. I just want you to raise your hand right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. Just raise your hand. I see you all over the room. I see you all over the room. I just want to breathe a breath, a breath of, I want to breathe a word of prayer over you right now. Father God, I am praying in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, for each and every single person whose hand is raised. Lord, that the voice of doubt will be silenced right now in the name of Jesus. The voice that has been telling them that they're not good enough will be silenced right now in the name of Jesus. The voice that has been telling them that they don't have enough, we silence it right now in the name of Jesus. 
Father, we pray that you will begin to loose your boldness and your confidence. May they see, may they recognize that as long as they have you, they have all that they need to do everything that you have put in their hearts. Father, I am praying that they will begin to dream again. I am praying that they will begin to, 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 to step out in faith and believe that anything is possible. Father, I am praying in the name of Jesus that on this day, every single person that is in their circle that is a naysayer will be removed in the name of Jesus. I am praying that they will, they will replace what the world says about them for what you say about them. You have said that they are the head and not the tail. You have said that they are blessed. You have said that they are healed. You have said that they are delivered. You have said that they are new creation in Christ. You have made them in your image after your likeness. That is who they are. So, Father, we pray for an exchange right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Let everybody all over the room say amen.